Hey, Lioness. Welcome to the Lioness Method podcast for female business owners, entrepreneurs, and leaders who are passionate about growing their leadership skills, building amazing teams, and solving real-life problems with a growth mindset. I'm your host, Narissa Sue, Master Integrated Breakthrough Coach, and today we have the great pleasure of speaking with Danielle Gibson, uh, the confrontation expert. She has so much knowledge to share with us this afternoon. And her definition of confrontation is to deal directly with someone or something you've been avoiding out of fear, which is the biggest thing holding you back. Not being confrontational keeps you small, it holds you back and often causes the demise of relationships, personally and professionally. Being confrontational, confrontational, you can get that word out, can also <laughs> prevent <laughs> conflict. Danielle partners with people who are stuck in a mundane, unrewarding cycle to help break them free. The results, they get what they want, not just what they think they can get. In working through her, their blocks, they move towards a truly authentic life that they can live on their terms. Ooh, that is so juicy. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to 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 kind of dive into this topic. It's fun. Yes, For and, me. and yeah, I I love it too. I think it's a really important conversation because so many people have a a, a difficult time having difficult conversations without feeling like they're being you know pushy or overpowering. So I can't I can't wait to dig into that part. But before we do that, let's start at the beginning. So um, tell us a little bit about who you serve and how you serve them. So I work, I would say predominantly, the vast majority of the people that um, I work with are um, kind of high achieving women, um, some men, but uh, this topic seems to really resonate a lot with women because women are not are taught to not be seen and heard. Um, so uh, women who are kind of like fine tuning their their abilities in, in, in soft skills, if you will. And, uh, and also um, they could be executives working for the man in corporate America, but also a lot of business owners, founders, and, um, and they basically, you know, they're in charge and there's, there are all these stigmas that are attached to women. I use the word assertive. A lot of people use the word aggressive um, and delegating is hard for them. Telling, you know, asking for more money is hard for them. Raising their prices if they're a business owner can be challenging for them. And, you know, there's this really great adage, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So any kind of issues that they might have at work are also the same ones that they have in their personal life. And so the way that I kind of stumbled upon this niche that I kind of created was that I was working with all of these people and they would say, I'm really bad at confrontation or scared of confrontation. And I'd be like, I don't know what they're talking about because <laughs> my, 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 my definition, and I would look it up by the way, I looked up the, the different definitions and, and, uh, and one of them was conflict, but mostly it was confront. 
which means deal with something, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you have to deal with it. And so I just kind of did a, a study of what it means and where it shows up based on the conversations that I was having with my clients. And then I looked at what it means when you don't do it and how much you sacrifice and how you sacrifice the quality of your life. And, and uh, that, it's something that's that- huge. I'm going to, I'm going to pause you right there. Cause you just said yeah. so many amazing things, but the, the first thing that you said that just, that just landed was that how many women in leadership are afraid of just speaking up and, and saying, asking for what they need, claiming their power. Right. And then right. this, this, uh, next point that you're making as far as just being able to to claim that. So um, so what what are some ways that women can um, take a more direct approach in asking for what they want? Well, they have to ask for what they want. I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> what there's does no sound really, like, though, there, for the woman who's listening that's not even sure what to say. Like, are there a certain is there a tactful way to say these things? I think it's well, that's. So that's subjective, right? So the problem that people encounter is that they think that being direct is not tactful. And it is or isn't tactful. Like everything in, in life is subjective, right? So if, if, if somebody thinks it's too aggressive or too assertive, it is to them, right? So it is their truth. But um, it, it really depends on style as well. So for example, um, for some reason, the straight line is really hard for people. And, you know, can you, can you do this X or I need you to do this thing is the straightest, it's what you need, right? Um, and I need you to, and can you please next time not do like it's literally what you need so mm -hmm. it is it is seen as harsh by a lot of women i don't see it that way i see it as efficient mm -hmm. and so and so the the tip that i have is what i need what i work on is why there is a judgment on the straightforwardness of the thing that needs to be said there's judgment based on what we were taught. And, you know, if there are things that, that we're taught, women are seen, not heard, you know, things like that. Um, you don't want to be aggressive and no one ever goes, well, why is that a, why is being assertive a bad thing? And, and, and mm -hmm. very often if someone says to you, you know, you were, that was too much. And, and, uh, I, I and love thing, that by the way, I'm like, most of my friends are too much. Like there's yeah. a whole tribe of us and I, I love it. Be too much. <laughs> but the thing is that if the person thinks you're too much, who says it, mm -hmm. what they mean is too much for them. Not, not as a character assassination. It mm -hmm. means too much. It's like too sensitive. You're too sensitive for who, who, uh, you know, like I love women who are, or anyone who's, pragmatic and straightforward. So you're not too much for me. And so, but you might be too much for person B. So it's really about how it feels for you to do that. So we work on the perception of the straightforwardness, of the assertiveness, of the limiting belief, the limiting beliefs that exist and how it feels when you don't do it 
is really the work that we do together. So a tip with that is really just to say it. I can mm-hmm. have intro tips into conversations, though. I love that. And you just also dropped another gem that's really important that I don't want to miss is, that you said earlier when I heard you speak uh, about feeling into your body when you're speaking. Right. Can you share a little bit more with us about that? Yeah. So I so I worked in corporate for about 20 years. And for as assertive as I've always been, naturally, don't ask me why, I don't know. But I was comfortable with it. There was a part of me that wasn't. And I remember working, and by the way, when I say corporate, I mean the least corporate. I worked in for a record label, I worked in beauty, I worked in fashion, so I wasn't in banking or finance. And, uh, And I remember feeling like I died a little bit inside when I couldn't say what I wanted to say. Like, that's how badly I needed to be my authentic (laughs) self. Maybe Mm -hmm. it seems like hyperbole, but- No, but how many women that are listening right now feel that way? Like they're just stuffed inside of a box, right? And they're just, their insides are screaming. Like that's where our rage comes from, right? When we're suppressing all of that. Absolutely. And so, and then you go and you take it out on whoever, you know, and, uh, and then you, and you think that there's something wrong with you. And then you replay the conversation in your head about what I should have said. And why didn't I say that? And then you're experiencing guilt and shame. And, uh, but when I work with a client, I will ask them, where do you feel tense in your body? For example, because the body, because we're so automatically stopping ourselves, we're staying small. Um, the tell, is always in your body. Like, does your jaw get tense? Does your, do your shoulders kind of hike up like that? You know, something in your, you know, your back or whatever. And that is your body's way of telling you, you're not being yourself and you're pushing it down. So, and that's uncomfortable. Yeah, so uncomfortable. I know um, I facilitate breath work and we work really deeply into the body and getting attuned with the nervous system. And so I love how this kind of goes into just being able to speak your truth. Um, Another thing that you that I've heard you say, which I would love for you to share more about is talking about how, you know, just being nice is inauthentic. Right. Well, anytime you try, Right. And, you know, there's there's a should in that. Right. I think we might have talked about this today earlier. Um, uh, nice isn't necessary. If, if you're being nice on purpose, that's a manipulation right there. And that's a pe- that's a people pleasing tactic. That's a that that's something that was learned at a really young age. And it was generally probably learned because you kind of wanted to stay out of the line of fire in some way. If I'm nice, you know, mommy won't yell at me or so-and-so won't get upset or whatever the scenario was, it's learned and it's a coping mechanism and it's a form of manipulation and it it just yeah. kept you alive, really. And so- Isn't, isn't that also what we call fawning? Cause there's like fight, flight and fawning. So it's kind of being a people pleaser. But I love yeah. that you're you're saying it's a form of manipulation. Yeah. And not in a judgmental way. It just is. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you like me person, you're not going to hurt me. You're not mm-hmm. going to be mean to me. That's and a survival tool. Exactly. And the thing about people pleasing is that 
when you're, and it's crazy to me actually, how many people take ownership of that term. Like they don't know that it's hurtful to themselves and, and prevents actual better connection uh, with other people. But, but um, the person you're not pleasing when you're a people pleaser is you. So you're not actually a hundred percent and you're also not, it's inauthentic and people can feel that, you know, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, it isn't pleasing. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, and I think another thing that you just said was that, you know, how many women, like the women listening right now crave a deeper connection, either whether it's with a significant other or just the people in their lives with their kids, their friends, their family, and they're people pleasing, thinking that if they make everybody happy, that everybody's going to love them more, but they still feel right. empty, right? Right. Yeah. And then there's resentment. So. Oh, you just said the dirty word. <laughs> resentment? Yes. Well, I'm I like, mean, oh, there's. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it, right? So you're manipulating yourself. You're not being mm -hmm. yourself. You're giving, 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 and then you're not like praised for it, and you know, told that that's amazing, and and then and then you're asked to do other things, and then there's like the f you. What about me? What about me? Mm -hmm. And so that's where uh, passive aggressive behavior can come into play, or you know, there's a lot, and that's where people lose their, 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 their mind when you don't take out the trash. That's where there's, <laughs> that's where there's an overreaction to something that is inconsequential. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of people don't know that because they just aren't conscious enough to, to be aware of the fact that they're, they're picking a fight over something that isn't the problem, you know? So it's never, it's always, it's interesting because so many people will, I have this assessment that I work on with people. It's an attitudinal. That's how I kind of start my work an together with people. I love that. Yeah. It sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's about perception versus personality because I'm not a label person. I don't think I th labels are, it's, it's not a good idea, but it, perception is how you see the world right now. And that can change. And, and so there's a, there's a very often a combination of a people pleaser this is just the way it's labeled. Um, I, I call it people pleaser and victim or people pleaser and anger that very often go together. That's not the official name, but that's what I call it. And, uh, and so it's, it makes perfect sense. You know, it makes perfect sense. And it's like people pleasing is literally giving away your power to another person. And that's never, that never works out well. Yeah. And, it, and like you said, it just causes that anger and resentment. And I know that you said you're not that fond of labels. I'm actually not either. Um, but yeah. it, another question that we had actually from uh, somebody that was the, that sent in a question for our chat today was about narcissism and like how to confront somebody that's a narcissist, right? Um, and having difficult conversations because they often feel like they're painted into a corner in conversation and right. how to have that difficult conversation with somebody with that, that type of personality, whether they're a true narcissist or not. Right, so with regard to confrontation, the goal is to say what you wanna say, right? That's the goal, is to be able to get it out. It's energy that you want out of your body so that you don't carry, end up carrying around a lot of resentment. That doesn't mean 
you're going to get what you want. It doesn't mean that at all. It means I'm saying this for me. I'm hoping that you hear it. And it's kind of like, you know, boundary setting is a big part of this. And, and boundaries aren't a one and done thing. Boundaries very often are like, got to do it again, got to do it again, got to do it again. With a, with a narcissistic personality, somebody who doesn't see you or they just see that, you know, it, however that looks, you try and you try and you try. What's great about that is you practice a lot. And, and then you're like, why am I spinning my wheels? And then the goal with confrontation in my mind is that you say what you need to say and then you get the information back, which means I don't care what you want, let's say. And that doesn't mm -hmm. concern me. And then you go, okay, do I want this person in my life anymore, right? Or am, am I gonna keep trying? You don't keep trying. You kind of get, you, you do your research mm -hmm. by, by speaking up and then you take that information and you go, now, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And does that make sense? No, it does. And you just said so much like you, I, I believe also that boundaries are a constant thing. It's a moment to moment decision on what, what we will accept and how we train others to treat us. Right. And right. I think even whether the person's a narcissist or just a regular human being, I love that you're saying like you have the power to choose based on the feedback you're receiving, whether or not that person still belongs in your life. Right. Based exactly. on your values and your boundaries. Right. Because a lot of people have this idea when they don't speak up. If I were to just speak up, everything would be better. So they take the responsibility onto themselves. And so they can have this imaginary, this idea, if I were just better at doing this, my relationship would be so much better. Work relationship, you know, family relationship, partner, whatever. That's not always true, right? So you need proof that you're right or you need proof that you're wrong. How do you do that? You open your mouth and you say it. And, <laughs> You've got and to ask, I, right? You've you got have to ask. To ask. Listen, I'm all for people ask me for things all the time and I go, nope. And I and they're like, sorry, I had to ask. I'm like, good for you to ask. Very good. <laughs> you get to ask anything you want and I get to answer the way I, I want to or yes. It's not always a no. But yeah, it's it's really important to not have this idea of what the relationship could be if only I could say X because we don't know that that's true. Oh, and that, that totally brought up something that I think is also really valuable is how often as human beings do we sit there and have a whole conversation in our head um, thinking about how the other person's going to respond, how they might feel about it. And we get so inundated by our own little story that we actually never express uh, to the other person. And then when we finally have the guts to just say it out loud, like you're saying, um, their response is completely different, right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. what a load it takes off somebody's mind to just say what, to say it and don't be attached to the outcome. Not being attached to the outcome is one of the most important things I ever learned, ever. Because if you have an outcome, that's just a scenario you're creating, right? Like it's, it's a, it's, it sets you up for disappointment also it, and it gives a situation so much power 
Like, for example, before I got my job working at a record label, I had this entire idea of what that was going to be like. <laughs> and then I got the job and I was like, oh, this isn't what this I can't even tell you what I thought it was going to be, but I know that it wasn't what it ended up being, which was just a job. And so when people, for example, go in for interviews, that's another thing that that can be very challenging that I talk about. And they get this, I, this is my dream job. And I'm like, well, the idea of it is your dream. We have mm -hmm. no idea what the job is, right? So get out of your head. And what you were just saying with regard to the scenarios, right? So your what happens is, is that it takes you out of the present moment completely. And you're just living in your head from the second, I need to say this thing to this person and I should do this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and you don't do it. And then you beat yourself up for not doing it. And then you're like, I can't believe I can't do it. And then how many days could you do that? And how often? And that's just you in your head, beating yourself up when the actual act of doing it could take a minute, literally. And so you just wasted so all of that time putting yourself through so much suffering, right? It's crazy. Yeah, people can get divorced rather than having that conversation. Like, oh my goodness. It's amazing, really. So mm -hmm. communication is really what we're talking about. And it's, it's so liberating, I, I can't even tell you. Like it really is, and it's simple. Mm -hmm. It's way more simple than, than anybody. I mean, everything in life is fairly simple. We are the ones who complicate it, people. A hundred percent. And I love what you had mentioned about fear. It's really our fears getting in the way, or the anticipation of the conversation and some assumptions that we're making, right? Yes, absolutely. And even when you are, like there are times when I've had conversations with someone where I'm being completely straightforward but just because i'm being straightforward and somebody meets me in that conversation also that doesn't mean they're being honest either right so because they're scared of offending me even though i say i'm totally unoffendable like go for it and and that's one of the things that that's where you then have to go into your intuition i don't you know i'm a big 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 believer in in your higher self and intuition and you have to and in order to pay attention to all of that you have to be in the room in your body when you're having that conversation also mm -hmm. i love that and and what do you mean by in your body just for somebody who might not understand that quite yet so not in your head so so the way that i'll explain it is when you're having that i should have done that thing and you're beating yourself up and I can't believe, you know, that person's going to think I'm so stupid and I shouldn't have done that, all that. That's that's when you're in your head. You are totally and 100% have left your body and you're totally, you can't be both. You're like, you know, if you've left your body and being present allows you to be in the moment and listen, see, when you're not, pre when you're present, if you and I were having what could be a difficult conversation, I can't hear you if I'm in my head. 
-hmm. And that's where the conflict can come because I could, you might say something that could sound triggering to me. And then all of a sudden we're in this thing that you're like, I just, you know, something that my mother said to me when I was seven, you know, and, and, but if I'm present and you say something, I could then ask a clarifying question and go, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I'm having a moment right now. I'd like you to, to expand on that if you can, because I'm feeling something really, you know, I'm feeling really anxious right now. Right. So that's, I'm not attacking you. I'm telling you how I'm feeling, but I couldn't mm -hmm. do that if I was in my head, if I were in my head. I love that. I think that's so helpful uh, because uh, there, I think there is, a, there are a lot of people that you can, you can tell when somebody is listening to you with open ears and they're present and when they're just listening to respond, like they're literally thinking about what they're going to say before you even fully expressed yourself. And so much is lost in the conversation by doing that um, is what I hear you saying. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I, I'll be in a conversation not not with a client but you know in real life and uh i'll say where'd you go <laughs> or, or so i like be careful having a conversation with danielle because she is going to be like where are you boo <laughs> well you know i i thought i i i i should have a sign that says talk to me at your own risk um <laughs> i love it but uh but it's really about but it's not but it's never meant in any other way other than like I can use humor. That's another thing that's hugely helpful. If you can use humor, it's always a good idea. But you can't use humor when you're totally triggered. Like it's not available <laughs> to you at all. But yeah. um, but I'll say it feels like you just kind of went somewhere. Where did, what happened? Did mm -hmm. I just say something? What just happened? Right. And and that's people don't know. It's kind of like you've ever been at a, at a restaurant and, and the waitress or waiter has been not happy and you're like thinking they're rude or whatever. You can totally diffuse that situation by saying having a bad day because they don't know. Mm -hmm. They don't know how they're behaving. So it's really about not taking another thing, but you said not attaching yourself to an outcome. Don't take anything personally either. Mm, I love that. Nothing. Miguel, Don Miguel Ruiz. Yes. Yes. Nothing has anything to do with you. Anything I say is about me. How you hear it is about you. Even if I say I like you, I am the subject of that sentence, right? So it's about mm -hmm. me. So if everyone can just learn that and it life, it's life changing, truly. That's great. Uh, what other tips do you have around having or approaching a, a difficult conversation? I know we've discussed so many things, but I, yeah. I know there's probably something we're missing in your expertise. <laughs> so very often I'll hear something like this. Someone will say, I need to have a conversation with so-and-so and I don't know how to start the conversation. And I will say, say that. And and you could, so basically the suggestion is because there's a lot of nerves and there's a lot of, I don't, you know, I, I, I want to make sure I say the right thing. Like there is a right thing. There isn't a right thing. There's just your way. And uh, you could say, I'm, I've been wanting to have a conversation and I don't know how to start it. If you could give me a, if you could just sit with me while I kind of find my way, 
I would appreciate it. Something like that. Because mm -hmm. you're ask, you're telling someone there's something you want to talk about. It's on your mind. And you're asking permission to fumble while you do it. You're telling mm -hmm. them it's going to happen. So you can put yourself at ease and you can put them at ease at the same time. And you're, you're asking for help and people like to be helpful. They really mm -hmm. do. And, um, you could start off by saying that I need your help with something. I'm uh, there's something that I've been wanting to talk about. I've been feeling really nervous. It's a vulnerable thing to say, but it's the truth. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, you know, telling someone you feel uncomfortable is disarming. It's a good thing. It's good for you. It's good for the other person. So I'm all for whatever you whatever it is that's going on in your mind is what comes out of your mouth in that. <laughs> She's like, don't filter it. Just be raw, be real and just have the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did it accidentally a, a number of years ago and I was like, oh, my God, that was someone said, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm a little nervous about this conversation. And I thought, oh, my God, that was the best thing because it was totally true and authentic and it was diff and it diffused the 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 kind of you know the the stickiness of what what i was feeling i don't know mm -hmm. what the other person was feeling so that is something that i'm a big big believer in what's on your head what is it try and get it out of your mouth <laughs> yeah. yeah and just and almost kind of cutting cut to the chase like cut cut the pleasantries, right? Like I, I love being able to have gritty conversations about what's really happening, not like the surface conversations where you just leave feeling exhausted, right? I, I think there's something to be said about really connecting and, and just speaking what's what's really in your heart and on, on the top of your mind and having like a real interaction with another human being. I think that art is being lost a little bit with so much social media and we're texting all the time. You know, so I love that you're bringing up that connection piece. Yeah, and another one that I that I think is really important for people when they're like, "Ugh, I missed my opportunity." Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was having this conversation, and I, I, and then I thought of this thing that I wanted to say after the fact, and now, and then I just I lost the opportunity, and I'm like, "No, you didn't. You get to circle back anytime. There's no time limit." You can easily, it could be a day, it could be a week, it could be a month. And you could say to this person, do you remember when we had that conversation that day and about X, if you don't mind, or whatever you wanna say, I'd love to go to circle back because I've thought about it. And there were some things I, that didn't come to mind at that time that, I, that I've been carrying around with me and I'd really like to talk to you about it. There's no time. It could be a year. It doesn't, matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But people think that's something that I think is really important when it comes to this also is slow down. We don't mm -hmm. need to know right now all the time, because if you're in an emotional state, that's when you you're not that again, that's when you're in your head, not in your body. And then you leave and you get flooded with all of the things that everybody goes, oh, my God, I, I thought of the perfect thing after the conversation that, how many people how many people do that i mean probably all of us we leave the conversation we're like oh man i should have said that like, yeah the moment and is I think, away. totally and i think that if we can take away the attachment 
to the perfection that we demand of ourselves, right? Like I should have known what to say. I'm like, why? Why should you have known what to say? Like if, if someone approaches you and they have, and all of a sudden you're like, I had no idea this person was harboring this and you're in shock, right? You're, you're totally like, what the hell is going on? And, and so you're in a, you know, it's happened to me where I, it took me, it's taken me days to like get over something. And then I'm like, mm -hmm. what was that? Well, that was a surprise. And <laughs> of course I wasn't ready for it, but that was a while ago. Now, if that happened and it has happened more recently where I'd go, where's this, what is this? Like this, this, I don't know what this is. Like, it, and, and God forbid it's a text. Like for me, a text argument, the worst thing <laughs> to do. It's like, just don't do it. I, I have a general rule of like, if it takes you longer than 30 seconds to put the text together, just pick up the phone. <laughs> I always, I always it. pick up the phone. I'm like, you're, yeah. you're watching the little ball, you're watching the thing and then it disappears. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, Oh, now I have to wait. And, and, and I'm like, nope. And I pick up the phone and I, and I do it or I don't. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and that's another thing. You don't have to respond immediately ever. Mm -hmm. Like there are so many, so many shoulds in life, which is what we were talking about earlier today. Mm -hmm. Also, you get to wait, you get to do it on your terms. So I know this is a lot, but there's so many of them where people are like, wow. this is such great information because I know there's a lot of people that get frustrated about what to say or having the perfect words or the right, the right thing to say in different circumstances. And, and I love that your answer is basically there is no perfect and right way. It's just the, the authentic and the honest thing. Yeah, and you know, I say to people all the time, because I know that it sounds really simple, because it is simple, mm -hmm. um, but I, if this is my way of doing it, right? Like we all have our own styles and I'm, new, I'm a New Yorker, so I'm gonna have <laughs> potentially a different style than someone who's from the West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and it, it, it is simple, but you kind of have to clear away all this other, all your limiting beliefs and all of your fears, and they're not nothing. These are valid fears. They are valid. So for, for me, for anyone who's listening, who thinks this is, should be easy, it's not. The process of diffusing it and getting rid of the layers of it is work. It's not hard. It just takes, it's a process like everything else. But mm -hmm. when, you, when, you, when you clear away all of the stuff, it's fairly simple. Just say it, you know, mm -hmm. like Nike, just do it, but just say it like, <laughs> say it like you know, it is. Say it like it is. I, I can't tell I you that. how many people I've, I, I, I've, I've spoken to who I know are being really careful with me. And I'm like, please just, I'm so distracted by how careful you're being right now. <laughs> just, what do you need to say to me? Just please yeah. say it and put me out of my agony. And, uh, and I think that it's fascinating how, challenging it could be even when you get permission to do it mm -hmm. That's good. from me and so i'm really curious just to kind of take it in a little bit of a different direction as far as sure. like like what challenges did you need to overcome in order to do what you do where was this something that always came natural to you or did you have a pinnacle moment that allowed you the freedom to express yourself in this way yeah so I started off already with an ability. I grew up in a house 
it's funny, you know, when you when you take the crap that you grew up with and you're like, oh, well, that that turned out to be a skill that's useful. <laughs> so I, I grew up in a house where uh, with a parent with no filter, like none, none and a lot of yelling. And uh, but the thing is, is that and, and it's not like this was a perfect way to learn this, but I wasn't told to shut up either. Right. So I was allowed to express myself. Granted, I would prefer that it not have been in the yelling mode, but um, <laughs> but uh, but but I was already, I kind of was in like boot camp, if you will, in the in the way that we we kind of communicated, and and then and then um, so I already had that ability, and I also had a really strong need to understand things, to be understood. And uh, I'm very curious. So I, I, I would ask a lot of questions. And I was that person in a meeting, for example, who would raise her hand and ask a question and then people would come up and thank me. And I'm like, what am I like the representative for like <laughs> everybody? So I had that. And then, like I, I said earlier, there were, there were times when I didn't, it, it wasn't easy. And then when I started coaching, and people would hire me because of my style, which is very direct and straightforward. I think it's efficient and I was rewarded for it. So the stigma that was attached to it, that people would say I was, you know, when I, when they first met me, I was intimidated by you when I first met you. And I'm, and I was like terrified all the time. I mean, I grew up in a really messed up home and I was like, what do they mean? And what's so scary and all that. So, so I was rewarded for it as a coach for my style, meaning I got hired. Mm -hmm. And then I realized there was a moment, I, there must've been a moment I don't recall it specifically where I realized that the quote secret sauce to being fully okay with it was to not be concerned with what someone says back to me mm -hmm. when I say what I say, that I was so secure that my intentions are good, that I'm going to potentially offend someone because I can't help how someone reacts to me and I'm okay with that. And, and I can also, it felt like, it felt like I got a dose of brave in a way. You know, it's not mm -hmm. to say that every now and then I don't have to white knuckle a conversation. <laughs> but, but it really She's, had to I am still human. It. I am still human, even though I'm a yeah. superhuman. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really holding on here. I'm holding on. But I it was when I when I stopped caring, and not in a flippant way, but like when I stopped being concerned that I was going to say the wrong thing when I realized I can't help how somebody reacts to me. It's, it's just like, not everyone's going to like me. Not everyone's going to get me. And it really, it happened. I think it happened over the course of a few months. And that's when it was the precursor to, to going, I need to do this as a niche. I need to do this. And so it didn't happen that long ago. It was a couple of years ago. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Well, my favorite question to ask, because I'm an avid reader and I know our listeners love reading as well, is what books or speakers changed your life and potentially your coaching business? 
So I send a curated list of, of video interviews to all of my clients of people that I used to binge on like Netflix, except their personal development. So yeah. um, I love Joe Dispenza. Oh, he's amazing. Uh, yeah. You are the placebo. Um, but I prefer to listen to his stuff because it's a little bit complicated. Mm -hmm. um, there's a guy named Kyle Cease that I really like. I don't know if you know who he is, but I love Kyle Cease. Yes. Yeah. Who he's funny and personal development don't generally go together, but, they <laughs> but he did it. He married them together and he's hysterical. He's hysterical. I actually went on a, a retreat that he did in Hawaii right in 2018. That was great. Um, I really like Eckhart Tolle. Um, I remember reading his book years ago and going, I get it, but I don't get it. And then I felt like I graduated into some new level of awareness when I totally got it. Um, of course, I like The Four Agreements. That's a great, that's a great uh, book and it's simple, but there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score that I really like about. Oh, trauma. that's a staple. Yes. That's a game changer, that one. It really is. I'm very much into the trauma thing. And, and then I like someone like Mark Manson, who, um, you know, what, what's it called? Uh, he not, not giving a fuck, whatever the. Yeah. <laughs> um, but or David, like David Goggins, too. He's amazing. I really yeah. like Seth Godin. And mm -hmm. I and I and I really like um, Sedaris, David Sedaris as well. Oh. But obviously Amazing. they're not personal development, but I really like mm -hmm. reading his depiction of his dysfunctional family is very entertaining. So, uh, yeah, there you those go. are all great. Those are all good ones. We'll have to put on our reading, reading list. Good. Well, Who I want to be like? are, I'm curious. Oh. Who are some of yours? Some of mine? Um, well, you named a lot of them actually. Joe Dispenza is one of my favorite, um, I like uh, the women who run with wolves. I think that's a really um, about the architect, the wild woman uh -huh. archetype. Um, and I love the body keeps the score. So we have that one in common. What else? Um, the Sophia Code is something I've, I've read recently. Um, oh my gosh, Brene Brown. There's just, there's so many. Yeah. yeah. I think I have at least four books on my bedside table at any given time. I'm one of those. <laughs> I know. I have so many that I downloaded from Audible that I start and then I go into another one and I'm like, can you please just finish one ever? <laughs> exactly. Well, awesome. Well, I do want to be mindful of your time, uh, but I do have one last question for you because I'm always sure. curious because as coaches and entrepreneurs and just women, in business and in, in flow, um, I always like to ask, what's the biggest challenge that you have right now um, with your business that if, if it were solved, you'd be able to have more time, money, or freedom? So I just rebranded. Like, you know, I did it. I kind of had a COVID was very good to me in terms of change. I mean, it was hard, but it was during the time. And I I rebranded my website and I have to do social now and I have the content for it. I just am like, I gotta, and you know, I gotta just do it. And, mm -hmm. um, because the re I want to do it because I, I like getting feedback on this. I like helping people with content, but I also need to create, I'd love to create either a live group program or a evergreen or both. Mm -hmm. 
um, it doesn't, that's not going to give me time, but that's going to make it fun because right now, <laughs> you know, it, it, because I, I mean, I ultimately, I like diversity. And so, I mean, I love working with my one-on-one -on -one clients. I, I think that, I mean, I really like working with them and, and a lot of them stay with me for quite some time, but um, that's my answer. So it would not create time, but it would create mm -hmm. diversity and fun for me. I love that. That's great. Well, good. Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show and for just sharing so much knowledge with us. I, I know that I learned so much. And I want to also thank our listener for listening all the way to the end. I know it was a long one today, but we had so much great information. <laughs> and Danielle, how can, how can the listeners find you? What's the best way to find you on social media or your website? And I'll also yeah. drop the information in the show notes too. Yeah, so so they're both the same except one of them has an underscore. So on Instagram, I'm the underscore confrontationalist. Hard to spell. I make typos all the time. And uh, and my website is theconfrontationalist.com. And uh, you can contact me through either. Okay. With any questions. Fabulous. So please look up Danielle. And again, I'll drop all the information in the show notes. And right before we wrap up, I want to uh, invite you again, ladies, to join us, ladies and gentlemen. We actually just opened up the virtual breathwork circle on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, for co-ed. So it's now co-ed space. So it's open for, for leaders who want to come and explore the power of their breath and have the opportunity to be in community. It's all online. Just come and let go of your stress so you can make more room for all the good stuff. And again, you can find that in the show notes. I'll drop that down below. It's breathewithris.com. All right. Well, thanks again, Danielle, for, uh, for being here today and to the listener for listening all the way to the end. And we'll say goodbye for now. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much. This was great.